Someone is listening to you. Yep, you. And your voice has a much larger impact than you might realize. And that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. My voice has a much bigger impact than I realize. People listen to me. My wife hears my voice. My children hear my voice. I have friends that hear my voice. People I work with, I'm a coworker. Perfect strangers that I interact with hear my voice. And I'm a pastor, so I talk all the time and people hear my voice. But it's not just me. Not just because I'm a pastor. You're the same way. People hear your voice, and your voice has a much larger impact than you would realize. Because you're a spouse, you're a parent, you're a child, you're a family member, you're a coworker, you're a friend. Our voices are big deals. But maybe not in the way that you think. Hey, have you ever had the uh, experience where you hear somebody quote you saying something that you don't remember saying? Have you ever had the experience where maybe they say it to you? Hey, I remember when you said, and you're like, I don't remember saying that. Or you hear somebody talking to someone else, and you're just kind of eavesdropping, or you walk into the conversation, and you say, yeah, like they said the other day, or they said five years ago, and you're being quoted as saying something you don't remember, or you remember saying it, but you didn't think it was that big of a deal, but evidently it was a big enough deal for them to remember it and then quote you five years later. You ever had that experience? It happens to parents all the time. Yeah, mom, remember when you said, yeah, dad, remember when? You're like, what? I don't remember saying that. Like, for instance, evidently somewhere in the last handful of years, I've given off the impression that I don't like cats. <laughs> I don't ever remember making an official statement. Evidently, it's something people have just kind of picked up on. Um, while we're at it, though, let me, let me just address something that's heavy on my heart. So I don't like cats. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and so here's what you guys have been doing. You know, or my birthday or Christmas or whatever. Y'all send me cards with cats on them. It's not funny. Listen. And like gifts. Like if you give me a little gift or something, somebody gives me a gift, like here's a mug. He loves coffee. Let's get him a mug with a cat face on it and all that kind of stuff. So let me just break this down for you. We're friends, right? I care about you. I hope you care about me. I have shared with you that I dislike cats. And as a result, you give me all kinds of paraphernalia with cats on them. That is unloving. <laughs> it's not nice. Jesus would not be happy with that. Besides, think about all the money people are wasting. Think about how many hungry children you could feed if you just didn't do that. Yeah, that's not a laughing matter. Or... If you just gave the money to the church, think of all the people we could reach for Jesus. So just give the money to Jesus. No. All right, we're done. So I wanted to at least admit, evidently, I say things that I don't remember <laughs> saying. My voice is a, is a huge impact. But it's not just me. And it's not just because I'm a pastor. Your voice. If you have a tongue and you use it to say anything... 
or you text anything, or you type out anything, and you email anything, you have a voice that has a much larger impact than you could possibly fathom. Now, we could not let this Voices series come and go without talking about a natural thing, and that is my voice and your voice in the lives of other people. First three weeks, we've talked about how we process the voices around us. But before we're done, we've got to talk about the fact that other people have to process our voice. They listen to us more than we realize, and it matters more than we realize. Did you know that you're the voice inside somebody else's head? I mean, even if you're an introvert, even if you don't talk that much, even if you're like, no, no, I don't say too much, no, which probably means what you do say gets more attention. You know, people that talk all the time, eventually you just tune them out, right? That they're always talking. <laughs> you're the voice in somebody's head. You're the voice that influences, the voice that other people hear in their head. Don't forget the power of your voice. We don't know the power of our voice. And if you will think about this, you will understand how powerful somebody else's voice can be because in your brain, in your mind, on a regular basis, we've talked about this, there is somebody else's voice that plays and replays and you remember what they said. And I hear people say it all the time. I'll never forget when mom said, I'll never forget when dad said, and that could be a bad thing or it could be a good thing. My life has never been the same since my friend told me, you know, when I heard them say, and you fill in the blank, I was never the same. So we know it's possible for us to hear other people say certain things and it impact our lives in such a way, it's a turning point that we never forget and we always refer back to. But do we realize that we're the turning point? Our voice could be the turning point. Our voice is the turning point in somebody else's mind. You know, right up front, I want to clarify something that I think is greatly needed in our culture because everybody is so obsessed with having their voice heard. And it's like politically correct now to make sure that everybody has a voice and that everybody has an opportunity to share their voice because everybody wants to make sure their voice is heard. And people complain, they're not listening to my voice and I don't have a voice and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so since we live in that culture, be that as it may, let's make this clear. Your voice and my voice is an opportunity that carries a responsibility. That's a big statement. I'm going to repeat it. You need to think about this. Our voice is an opportunity that carries with it a responsibility. Now, here's why I say this. Most of the time in our culture nowadays, when people are talking about their voice, they're concerned about one thing and one thing only, being heard. Because I have a right to use my voice and everybody's talking about their right and I've got a right to say and I've got a right and I've got a right. Now listen, here's the deal. I am thankful for freedom of speech. But if you are just consumed with your right to say what it is you want to say, that is a very immature way of thinking. That is low rung, bottom rung thinking. That's very basic thinking. You need to elevate your thinking to understand that your voice is not merely a right. Your voice is an opportunity that carries a responsibility. You have a voice and you are responsible for how you use that voice and when you use that voice, and I am too. 
It's an opportunity and responsibility. You look to social media nowadays, and even though it can be used for great good, often social media becomes a platform of irresponsibility. The challenge with social media is that you are given the opportunity without the responsibility because you can just make st one statement after another. You can say what you think about things that you know about. You can say what you think about things you don't know about, but you want other people to think you know about them. So you can just make a statement, make a statement, make a statement, and Christians are the worst at making statements, right? We just make a statement about what we think and what we believe, like the world cares. It really doesn't mean we've made a difference. It doesn't mean we've changed anything, but we feel the right. I've got a right to be heard. I've got a right. No, 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 no. You have an opportunity but you are responsible with that opportunity. I have an opportunity, but I am responsible with that opportunity. You and I must see our voices in this light and know how to use our voice and when to use our voice and care a whole lot less about being heard and a whole lot more about being helpful. You need to care a whole lot less about your voice being heard and a whole lot more about your voice being helpful kind of circles us back around to the question that we've been asking and answering this entire series. But now I want you to apply it to your voice. Is your voice life-giving or life-taking? Is my voice life-giving or life-taking? Do the words that come out of your mouth give life or take life? God's word is so clear on this. It's not like God just kind of mentioned the fact that our voices have an impact. He went to great lengths, both in the ancient Old Testament scriptures and in the New Testament, to make it very clear. So I just want to give you a snapshot of just some of the many things that God teaches us about our voices and how we should use them and what we need to be aware of, considering whether or not our voices are life-giving or life-taking, because this is an opportunity. But you've got to be responsible with that opportunity. Let's start in the Old Testament. The wisdom of Solomon, God uses Solomon's wisdom to teach us that the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. The tongue can bring death or life. It can be bad. It can be good. And the point is you get to decide. Maybe you don't realize that. Other translations translate this Hebrew as the tongue can kill or give life. I mean, we've used that phrase before, right? Oh, they just slayed me with their words. Oh, they just cut me to pieces. Because that's what we know. We know that when we're on the receiving end of it, but do we realize other people are on the receiving end of our hurtful words? Can we imagine how helpful and healing our words might could be if we were intentional about saying life-giving things and not life-taking things? I mean, I don't know where, where we got this whole thing that sticks and stones could break our bones, but words would never hurt us. I mean, where did, where did that come from? I mean, that's not even a little bit true. That's not even a tiny bit true. That's all wrong. Of course, words can hurt and words can heal and you get to decide. They bring death, they bring life. Let's move on now to the words of Jesus' brother, James. Listen up. 
As the leader of the first church in the New Testament in the first century, James, the brother of Jesus, writes these words. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. We know that to be true, right? We think of forest fires and it only takes a small spark to set the whole thing ablaze. Kind of makes me think of Smokey the Bear, right? Remember that as a kid, Smokey the Bear? It was very confusing when Smokey the Bear said, only you can prevent forest fires. Me? That's on me? Very confused as a child. I felt very overwhelmed and pressured because I would see these you know, wildfires in California and go, that's my fault. And I don't know how. Do you see, we need to think about the words we say and what they communicate to children. I've had a lot of counseling on only you, only me? Anyway, I'm better now. <laughs> okay, but we get this part, right? We get this part. Consider a forest fire, just a little spark, but it's an analogy because watch what he compares it to. Here we go. The tongue also is a fire. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life. Do you get that? The whole course of your life can be set into motion by what you say. Wow. And it itself is set on fire by hell. No mincing words there. We know exactly what James is saying. So let's finish it. All kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. We know that's pretty cool. We've all been to the circus. But no human being can tame the tongue. Can't be done. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. That's powerful stuff. Life-giving or life-taking? Let me take you to the words of the Apostle Paul and what God teaches us. Now, this is true whether you're a Christian or not. He's writing this to Christians in Ephesus in the first century, but this is true whether you're a Christian or not. This is true of you if you have a tongue and you use it or you type anything or text anything. If you have a voice and you use it, this is true of you. Let's look at the writings of Paul. Let everything you say, everything you say, not 70% of what you say, not 90% of what you say, not most of what you say, not even almost most of what you say, but everything you say, be good and helpful, good and helpful. If it ain't good, don't say it. If it ain't helpful, keep your mouth shut. That's what he's saying, very clear. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Wow. Parents, get all your kids' tattoos with this on it. Just line them up, right? Put this somewhere in your house. Take a picture of this. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Wow, what a recalibrator right here. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that the people who hear it will be encouraged. Now, here's why this is so huge. This is about both what you say and what they hear. And here's why that's important. I'm going to say it again. This is about both what you say and what people hear. And here's why this is so huge, because in our culture, I've done this, you've done this, we make statements like, well, I'm only responsible with what I say. It's not my responsibility what other people hear. Uh, listen, listen, I can't bother with what he heard. I'm just telling you what I said. I can't bother myself with what she heard or what she inferred or what she took or all that kind of stuff or how she took that. Well, you just took it wrong. I can't help how people take things. I'm only responsible with what I say and how I say it. Wrong. Wrong. 
Your voice is an opportunity and you are responsible. And this lets us know that we are responsible both with what we say and how they hear it. It's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? That means we got to be very careful how we say what we say. You and I have to be concerned with not just the intent of what we're saying, but also the interpretation of what we say. Now smoke on that one in your marriage. That's a game changer. We're concerned. We have to be concerned if we're going to follow God's direction in this with not just the intent, what we meant, but also what they hear. Have you ever said something that you could tell what they were hearing was not what you intended? Husbands, you ever had this experience like as soon as the words left your mouth, you wanted to go, oh no, come back. Not good. This is going to be a long night. <sighs> it's not, I meant the opposite of what you heard, you know. Back up, back up, back up, abort, 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 you know, pull out of here, whatever. Whew. Yeah. And see, right? We can say, well, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. That's not what I meant. Well, I've got to concern myself, not just with what I mean. Now, see, this is going to be big. Some of you, you're like, I could, I could just sense it in the room. Some of you are really stiff right now. You're like, I don't like that. That ain't right. I ain't going to worry. <laughs> Take it up with God, okay? Because he said, you've got to say everything in a way that's good and helpful so that the people are encouraged by what you hear. And if they're not encouraged, then it ain't good and helpful, dude. Isn't that a lot? Yeah. But God can help us do it. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you a filter, a clarifying filter, and, and some clarifying questions to help you and I figure this one out, to help you and I speak words that are life-giving and not life-taking, because you and I have an opportunity with our voice, but it carries a very big responsibility, not just with what we say, but how what they hear when we say it. To set this up, I need to go back to the beginning of the series and how we began. Just follow me just for a, a moment here. In the beginning, it all started with one voice, God's voice. And even though we don't know all of the specific details of how God pulled all this together, we know that God used his voice to create everything that we know. And for a period of time, the first human beings, Adam and Eve, only had to listen to one voice. They only had to concern themselves with one voice. Can you imagine if it was just God's voice? It's the only voice we had to worry about listening to because there was only one voice. But then there were two voices and Satan enters the scene and now there is good and evil present. And now there are two voices pulling at us. Now there is right and there is wrong. And humanity ever since that moment has been in that context, living in that context. And you and I were born into that context. Now hang with me. Remember how we've talked about in this series that every voice comes from and leads back to one of these two voices? How that every voice ultimately comes from God or Satan and leads back to something that draws people closer to God and something that pushes people closer to Satan. It's one or the other. Ultimately, every voice, every voice comes from and leads back to one of the two voices, which means 
so does your voice and so does my voice. Come from and lead back to one of those two ultimate voices. It's either used for good or evil. My voice, your voice. So I want you to learn with me to ask this question of your own voice. Who is using my voice? Because somebody's using your voice. Either God's using it to give life and help, or Satan is using your voice to take life and destroy. Who is using your voice? It's one or the other. There's no middle road. Let that sink in. Who is using your voice every day? This morning already, who has been using your voice? And you're not a puppet. You get to choose. I'm not a puppet. We get to choose. Who uses the words that come out of our mouths? Now, if you're like me, and I think you are, I think we want to think that God is using our voice to be encouraging and helpful and kind and gracious. I want to think that God is taking the words that I am choosing to say and he is building people up and helping them draw closer to him. And I think you agree with me. You would want the same thing. But guys, we need to be honest with ourselves and with each other. We have all been guilty of our share of speaking and typing and writing and posting life-taking words. And all of our voices have been life-taking words and voices that Satan has used to do much harm and much damage, much more than you and I might want to admit. But the good news is we have a choice. And by the power of God's spirit within us, we have God's power to help us make the right choice. So three clarifying questions to help you answer this one. Who's using my voice? If you want to answer this question, who is using my voice? And you want God to use your voice in your marriage with your kids, at a job, with your work, you know, with your friends. If you want God to be using your voice, you need to consider. What am I saying? Well, that's real simple. I know, isn't it? But we don't do that. We don't consider what we're saying. We don't really think about what we're saying. We just say stuff. We say stuff. We're in a hurry. We just say stuff because we feel stuff. So we just say stuff. We say, we just say. We don't really think about what we're saying. What am I saying? The scriptures are clear. James, the brother of Jesus in James 1.19 writes that we should think before we speak. Think before we speak. How many times have you said things and your takeaway was, if I would have just thought about that before I said that, woo, things would be so much better right now. I didn't think that one through. I've done that. And I know some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, well, listen, dude, I'm just, I just say what I think. I'm one of those people that what you see is what you get. I'm all about authenticity and I want to be real. So if I think it, I say it. I don't pretend and I don't play games and I don't want people to wonder, you know, are they, is he being real? Is she being authentic? So if I think it, I just say what I think. Guys, listen, I wouldn't brag about that. You know why? 
In Proverbs, we're told that that's the definition of a fool. God said in the ancient Hebrew scriptures that only a fool says everything they think. Now, I'm being real. No, you being a real fool. <laughs> that's exactly what you're doing. What am I thinking? What am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? You want, who's using your voice? You need to think about what you're saying because you get to decide. And you have the responsibility, and I have the responsibility. We have the responsibility. Let me take it one step further. It's not just about what you are saying to them. It's what you are saying about them to other people, too. It's called gossip, gang. We know. And you know how we know? Because we know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that. We know what it's like to have it get back around to us, what he said, what she said, and you're like... Oh my gosh, that hurts so badly. Or that's so demoralizing. Or that's so humiliating. And why would they say that? So you and I need to think about what we're saying to each other and what our voice is saying about each other to other people. And it all needs to be good and helpful. There is no gossip then. If everything you say is good and helpful and would encourage the person, the third party that you're talking about, if it would be encouraging to them, not if it gets back around to them, but when it gets back around to them, if it ain't good and helpful, keep your mouth shut. If it ain't good and helpful, I need to keep my mouth shut. Oh, this is hard. Ain't this fun? <laughs> it's right where we need to be though. What am I saying? What am I saying? And let's take it a step further. How am I saying it? How am I saying it? You see, we just read about it in Ephesians. How we say things determines how people interpret what we're saying. And so the how is extremely important. And we are responsible not just with the what, we're responsible with the how. In fact, how is just as important, if not more important than the what. How you say what you say is even more important than what you say because how you say it determines if they ever hear what you say. And how you say it determines whether or not they can even accept what you say. What you say may be right, but if how you say it is wrong, then it's wrong. You can be right in the wrong way and it still be wrong. Well, I was just telling them. I was just telling them. I know, but you were a jerk. So you're wrong. The information may be right, but you are wrong. And I am wrong. Does that, does that, are you with me in this? This is why I love, this is why I love what God writes to us. Because it is so real to life. What am I saying? How am I saying it? Am I interrupting them? How am I saying this? Am I interrupting? No, I'm interjecting. <laughs> okay, am I manipulating? Am I being harsh? And how I'm saying this. Am I being sarcastic? Hello. With how I'm saying it. Am I being angry? And, and my anger is a, is a harmful kind of thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being upset. But am, am I damaging in the way that I'm saying this? Or am I being quietly subversive and sneaky and manipulative in a passive-aggressive kind of way? See, you don't have to scream and yell to cut somebody to pieces. What am I saying? How am I saying it? Oh, there's one more piece to this. Okay, if you want to know who's using your voice and you want God to use your voice and you don't want Satan to pawn your voice for destruction, what am I saying? How am I saying it? And why? Why, why, 
Why? Motives are very important, but very tricky things. You will fool yourself. You will convince yourself that your motive is this when your motive is really that. What is your motive? Why are you saying it? What's your point? Are you saying this to make a point? To prove that you're right and you're just wanting to let them know and you're not wanting to say I told you so so you're being crafty with saying a bunch of other things that actually say I told you so. And that's your whole, your whole motive is just to make sure they know you were right and they should have listened to you. You see, that's not good and helpful and encouraging. That's life-taking stuff. That's life-draining stuff. Why are you saying it? A lot of times people say what they say just to clear their name, just to make sure everybody knows they're not responsible. I did my job. Well, I just want you to know I did my job. I'm not responsible. I can't answer for them. I'm just telling you I did my homework, and I did what I was supposed to do, and blah, blah, blah. You're pointing, pointing, pointing to everybody else. You just want to clear your name, or you want to make a name. This is what I did. This is how long I worked. This is how hard I tried, and this was my idea. Ultimately, I'm so glad they uh, listened to me, and, you know, and this is why I went to school all those years, and this is why I've worked so hard, and this is why I've prepared, and this is why I read, and this is why I do this, and this is why I do that. What are you doing? Is this about you now? Why are you saying this? Are your motives selfish or are they good for the other person? It could be that your motive is and should be that your motive is to encourage them, to uplift them, to show them grace and be truthful but in a gracious way. How about being kind? Is that, what if your motive was kindness? And I'm going to be truthful, but I'm going to be gracious with it, and I'm going to be kind in the way I say it. And I want to help them grow, and I want to help myself grow, and I want to enrich our relationship with how I communicate this. And at the end of the day, even if we have to agree to disagree on this tiny little insignificant nothing that's not really that big of a deal to argue about anyway, I want to make sure that we're closer as a result. I want, I want to breathe life into this relationship. I want to breathe life into this person. I want to breathe life into this situation. With the what, the how, and the why. So who's using your voice? Can you imagine what kind of reflection this would provide? We'd be, you know, if we ended our day thinking, who used my voice today? Did God use my voice in that meeting or did Satan use my voice in that meeting? In that argument, in that conflict, was I the voice of God or the voice of Satan? Was that life giving to the person who heard my words or life taking? And it's really not about what I intended, it's about what they heard. Well, they're so sensitive. You're still responsible. I'm still responsible. If it comes out of my mouth, I'm responsible. If it comes out of your mouth, you're responsible. It's a lot, isn't it? Who's using my voice? What if we began the day forward thinking with the purpose in mind? Today, when I go into that meeting, I want God to use my voice. And I'm going to say things in such a way so that it's good and helpful and encouraging to those who hear them. When I see my wife, when I see my husband, when I see my kids, when I see that person that doesn't like me and I don't like them, my words are going to be good, and they're going to be helpful and encouraging. When I interact with that person that doesn't believe like I believe, and we certainly didn't vote like I voted, and then they this, and I'm that, and I don't agree, and I'm going to make sure that my words are good and helpful and an encouragement when they hear it.
You see the difference? The difference that kind of intentionality can make? What am I thinking? How am I, I mean, what am I saying? How am I saying it and why? Because I want God to use my voice because it's an opportunity that I've got to be responsible for and responsible with. In the New Testament, there was this moment with Jesus and his disciples where he was saying a lot of challenging things and his disciples, uh, some people didn't like what Jesus was saying and they got mad and they walked out. Uh, they just got up out of the service and left or something like that. And, and, and so Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you, you guys going to leave too? And Peter said something very interesting. Peter said, where would we go, Jesus? You alone have the words, listen, you alone have the words of life. Jesus' words are words of life. Jesus is actually called the word of life. So it just would go without saying. If I want to be a person that speaks life-giving words, then I need to pay very close attention to the words of Jesus. You need to be very close close attention to the words of Jesus. Spend time in the word of life, listening to the words of life so that when the words come out of my mouth, they are reflective of the word of life. They are life-giving words, not life-taking, draining words. At this moment, you might be thinking, oh man, have I screwed this up. As a parent, as a spouse, as a friend, as a boss, as a coworker, oh my goodness, I have dropped the ball on this one. Guilty. Then here's what you do. Take responsibility for the opportunity of your words. Take responsibility for it. Ask for forgiveness and start right now speaking words that give life. Start right now. You say, well, it's just too late. No, it's never too late. Well, this is too much damage. No, no, no. Words can kill, but words can heal. Words can bring life. Words can't erase the past, but words can build a new future. Start now in your marriage. Start now with your kids. Doesn't matter how old they are. Start now if you're in your 90s. Start now if in your 50s. Start now if you're a middle school or high school student. Start now. Start now if you're the only one saying those kinds of things. Start now if you're the only voice in the room that's being good and helpful and encouraging. Start now. Remember, it all started with one voice. Then there were two. And now there's yours. And your voice will either lead people back to one of those other two voices, God or Satan, good or evil, and may God help me, and may God help you, and may God help us. Choose life-giving over life-taking. And may God help my words, and may God help your words. Be words and a voice for God and good in our marriage, for God and good in our families, for God and good at the workplace. And for God and for good, every time we open our mouths, that's my prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this honest gut check 
And this Voices series can't end without us considering, considering the words that come out of our own mouths that other people hear and other people are having to think where those words are coming from and where they're leading back to and are they good and helpful or are they discouraging and life-taking? Help me choose, help us choose life-giving words. Life-giving words of life that reflect your words. Forgive me, Father. Forgive us when we have sucked life out of people with the words that we have said, posted, typed, or texted. To people and about others, to others. And Lord, may we make the choice to be life-giving with our words and start a new trend, even if we're the only ones in the room doing it. Help me and help us in Jesus' name. Amen.